This is Unplugged, 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 Unplugged. Welcome to this episode of Unplugged. This is off the cuff. Uh, I'm just going to straight away jump into this one. Uh, there's some things that the Lord's been challenging me on. Uh, and, I, and I like to share from my own uh, life experiences. Sometimes I do feel that if, if I'm going through something, I do know there's a scripture that says there's no temptation that has taken you, but such as is common to man. And with every temptation, God will make a way, will make a way for you to escape. Uh, he will not let you be tempted more than you can handle. But I just kind of want to focus on the first part of that verse. It says, there's no temptation that has taken you, but such as is common to man. So my understanding of this is that if I'm going through something, I it's telling me, the scripture tells me, whatever you're going through is common to man, meaning some other people are going through it. So if I'm going through something and uh, the Lord gives me revelation or I start to receive insight on how to handle this situation, then I really feel that sometimes uh, it's good for me to come on here online and share, even though it might apply to my life. But I do believe that as the scripture says that it could be parallel or similar to what you are dealing with in your own life. And this is the beauty of us walking as a body of Christ. Um, we all sometimes come together and compare notes and share notes because we're all going through the same things. And if I figure out a way of escape out of a situation, then I would want you to quickly apply the thing that has come to me so that you can also get out of your situation as soon as possible. So anyways, in the last couple of weeks, there have been some things that um, I've been trying to figure out. <laughs> oh my goodness. There's a lot of things that I've been really trying to figure out. Um, but you know, for me, it's really one of the, one of the challenges for me in my life uh, has been readjusting to God's ways of doing things because, you know, previously I, I used to seek out as much knowledge, wisdom of the world. And that was my lens. That's how I looked at life or that's how I thought that I should look at life. Not that the knowledge and wisdom of this world is bad, but I relied a lot on, you know, the so-and-sos of the world. You know, I have a whole shelf full of so many startup books on how to do things, business, self-help books and all of that. And, you know, sometimes if you're coming from that school of thought and that school of thought doesn't really work with God's ways of doing things. So my biggest challenge to be honest and, and transparent has been as I continue to grow in my relationship with Christ has been always 
laying down my own wisdom, my own approach of this is how I think I should do it. Uh, it's a challenge. Uh, sometimes I'm able to overcome it, but sometimes uh, I really feel that Satan sometimes kind of tempts me into falling back into the trap because there is there's several scriptures that talk about shall by no strength no man prevail. Another scripture talks about not by my might, not by my power, but by your spirit, says the Lord, right? So the Lord is saying, you want to go from here to there, but it's not going to be by your might. It's not going to be by your power. It's going to be by my spirit. It's going to be my by my wisdom, basically, by my revelation. And it can be a challenge in this world of complexity because, and this is one of the things that God has really challenged me on, and I think I'm finally understanding it. So I just want to use this episode to quickly share some of these things that I believe will really help you. Um, because, you know, um, my background is engineering, science, uh, mixing some software and whatever. So you can see that I come from, when it comes to the intellectual background, from from a school of reasoning that has been embedded in my core. And sometimes, not that God doesn't use reason, but he doesn't use the reasoning of the world. So it can be a challenge if you're looking for an answer for a situation and your mind is telling you, this is how you should approach it. And your mind, you can clearly discern that your mind is contrary to what your spirit is telling you. Now, as Christian believers, when we come at such a crossroad, that's when we should let the spirit man override the carnal mind. I should let the mind of my spirit override like my my the mind of my flesh. So when I come at a crossroad, I should say, okay, this is coming from my mind. This is coming from God's mind. And God's mind is right. But how do we, how do you even discern that? How do you know God's wisdom? How do you apply it? Um, so one of the challenges, one of the things that God has really, really been trying to get out of me has been because when I'm asking him for wisdom, when I'm asking him for answers, I'm saying, Lord, I'm going through this and I need a way out. And and you know, sometimes you just can't help but want to take a step forward because we do feel that if you have a problem, you do feel that, okay, if I can, man, if I can start chipping away at this problem, the sooner the better, right? And it is inevitable that if you have some solutions in your mind that you're going to be compelled to to start moving forward with the solutions in your mind now here's the challenge because in 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 your human mind you're thinking that okay this problem is this big right you're thinking man this problem is looking like something that could take one one year to get over right or for instance 
you're thinking, okay, I want to buy a house. Let me just use this example. No, you're thinking, I want to move into my own house. So the next logical thing says, I want to buy a house, right? Okay. You're saying, I want to move into my own house. So the next step would be, that means I am going to need to buy that house. Then the next logical thing would be, okay, how much do I need to save up, right? And then the next logical thing would be, okay, how long will it take me to save this amount of money, right? Uh, then the next thing will be, you'll run some math and say, okay, my job pays this much. So if I want, if I need to save up this much so that I can be uh, approved for a mortgage of this much, then this is the kind of job that I need to get me to that. So then logically, you'll start to look at the job that you're in and you'll say, okay, this is not going to pay me enough money to save enough money to put down a down payment that I can be approved for mortgage so that I can buy a house and then move into the house that I want. That is human reasoning. So then what you'll sometimes do, you'll say, okay, I need to get out of this job that I am in because it does not, when I run the numbers it, from this job to that house, this job does not get me to that house. So what do I need to do? I need to find another job. So because it doesn't make math, the job doesn't make math, you end up um, now an anxiety then comes in then you start to not like your current job then you see you see how different things now different pressures of the world start to come in because now things the pressure starts to come in because if it doesn't your, your, your system has run the numbers and says this job doesn't get us there so then what next now you're a little bit tense, you're a little bit anxious, you you now start to fall into a depression, you're now always worried because now you're saying, if I need to move or if I want to move into this house next year, I need to have saved up this much to qualify for a mortgage, to then buy that house. So now this pressure that has inevitably come on you to to try and make the math work. So now you start looking for another job because you say, okay, this one has more benefits. This one pays me more. This one will help me save up more. And we can apply that to different situations. You can apply that to marriage and you start um, doing the numbers and you say, I'm 31 years old. Um, uh, I'm just using an example, uh, you, because I know there's a lot of people, uh, especially in Christian circles that are, that are doing math for their, for their age and marriage. You say, a lot of people say, okay, I'm 28, I'm 29, I'm 30, I'm 31. I'm not yet married. The year is ending. I want to be married by next year. And so you say, well, that means you start to do the math again and you go, okay, let's say if I meet this guy, if I start talking to him and I start dating him, then 
maybe in six months or after six months, maybe we've known each other, everything's come together. Then six months after that, you know, we can start to, maybe he'll propose to me. We can start to plan our wedding. So, you know, you try to fit the steps of courtship and getting to know someone with between now and next year so that everything works within that time frame, so that you are married by next year. You see, there's a lot of pressures that can be built up on you. And, and I just feel that there's a lot of people that we're in situations like this. So I'm not going to like pull back everything that's, that I'm, that, that I am, you know, going through, but, um, um, I'm taking what the Lord is teaching me and challenging me on. And he's, he wants to get a revel. He wants me to almost also give you a wake up call. So that's the way of the world. Right. The same way I described the process to go from your job to your mortgage to your house. The same way I've described you going from your age 30 and you're a lady and you're saying, oh, my goodness, all my friends are married. And how do I get to that wedding? This guy It's very easy for us to for Satan to infiltrate our reasoning and cause us to miss it. You can apply that to work, to a job to romance, to a career, and it, it can become dangerous because it's very easy for us to get out of God's line. So, you know, I had, I had the privilege to spend um, last couple of days, shout out to grandma. My grandmother is in town and I, I have to be honest, you know, you know what, you know, you know, sometimes one of the things that I'm that I'm really learning, and also this is another thing where I really struggle, or that I'm starting to see that, oh my goodness, it's so easy for us to miss it, guys. Because sometimes like it's very easy for you to think that you know it all, or or to really trust in your confidence and and think, okay, um I read a lot of books, you know. I'm educated. I am I am this, I am that, I am that. It can be very easy to be blindsided by your own wisdom, by your own intellectual capacity or intellectual abilities. It is very easy for you to be biased by your own wisdom. And so as I did have some really deep deep um you know, my grandmother and I set aside some time and she just wanted me to open up to her and 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 talk about some things and and just give me counsel. And and kind of one of the things that I saw, one of the things that I learned was that she mentioned something that really now ties into some of the things I'm just just about to start sharing. Because we're talking about some things like I'm looking for guidance on this issue. I'm looking for answers here. I'm still struggling with this, this, and that. And, and so she goes, she mentioned it in my uh, 
in our local dialect, Luganda, but I will translate it in English. But basically, the two phrases, when you translate them, this is what they say. One was that, Calvin, you do not make plans for God. You, you, that's not how God works. You do not make plans for God. And she also said, you, she also said if you translate the other one, it's, it's also the same phrase, but said in a different way. You do not set up God. You know, like you don't set up God with like a blind debt. You know how like you'll want to set up your friend and you're like, yeah, you know, he's his number. He's her number, uh, messenger type thing. And like, you guys go out. She was telling me, that's not how God works. Do not even try to even lay the first step for him because he will not walk on a path that you are the one who's made it for him. And yeah, so do not make plans for God for you and do not try to set up God. Do not try to beat the path for him and say, okay, God, um, this is where I want to go. This is my dream. This is my vision. Or even if you know that it's his vision, that says, God, this is your vision. This is your dream for me in my life. And you kind of lay the foundation. You kind of put, you kind of pave the way for him a little bit. You say, okay, God, I'm going to open the door for you. And then you can come in. No, she says, abort every mission, every step, every action that in your mind, you're thinking, um, okay, I got to open the door for God. You know, uh, he's challenged me on this, even when it comes to relationships and dating. And he's telling me, um, don't even set me up. Basically, saying don't okay you know it's 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 again this whole thing of like okay lord i am gonna start um let's say you want to get married okay then you say i'm gonna open the door for you by kind of getting the ball moving or rolling with this person and then i'm gonna let you come in and take it from there he's just like no and so the lord has really been challenging me and is the reason as to why the things that you haven't yet gotten out of the deliverance the miracles the prayers that you have prayed and you're like god why isn't this thing being answered is it because God wants to move, but you still have an open door for him? You've still opened the door for him. You've still, you think about like a, a piece of land, like, like you're trying to find your way through a forest. Have you, are you the one who has kind of beaten the path down here at the entry point of the forest and you're saying, okay, God, now you can go in? Are the action steps that you're taking 
are you the one who's saying, okay, good, I'm going to do this, then you can do this. Because another scripture speaks contrary to that. It says, this is Isaiah 45, it says, I have gone before you and made all crooked paths straight. I have broken down uh, the the bars of iron, the, 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 the gates of brass, I've loosed the loins of kings. He's saying in everything, I have gone before you. So if there's anything, if it's a relationship, if it's for your house, if it's your business, if let's say, um, so you want to become financially independent, that's a great desire. The word of God says he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his saints. It says the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. He says, I am the one that gives you power to make wealth that I may establish my covenant. Being financially independent is a good desire to have. Now, where the first thing that I should really ask is, God, what business model, what idea should I work on? What idea would get me to become financially independent? That is letting you go, that is letting him go before you. Because if I ask him and he tells me, okay, go start this business, then I know he's already made all the doors open for me that I need to get into, right? But if I just start a business and he's not the one who's initiated it, but now I have initiated it and I'm now taking it to him to bless it, then we get into a lot of trouble. So there was, there was an idea, there's another idea that I was doing some research on. And to be honest, I, after doing all research and everything made head knowledge, everything made sense because so-and-so is doing it and it works for them and this and that. And I, somewhere in between there, I said, this really didn't come from God, meaning like he didn't initiate this. Like someone else, you know, I was talking to someone else and they initiated it. They're the ones who put it in my mind. So you see how, how this, this, this thing can be so close. It's so easy to miss it because, um, before I go along with what my friend wants me to do, my this wants me to do, what this person wants me to do, I, I should first ask God, what's, what's the game plan? What's the idea that you have for me? That's the one that will work for me. You know my capabilities. You know the right people that I need to meet. You know all the things. But it made head sense. But when I went back, I said, okay, Everything, you know, makes sense to do this, try this, yada, 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 yada. But I, in me, I was still like, but I'm not, God did not initiate this. This was initiated uh, by someone else who thought about it and, and just kind of kept prompting it and throwing it out there and out there and out there. 
then I started to, you know, kind of take it in my mind. It's like, yeah, you know what? It makes sense. It makes sense. Why not jump in? And it's so easy for us to miss it like that. So out of this situation, and this is just one of the things, but the same principles I'm sharing, I'm, I'm kind of applying them to different instances. So out of like a frustration of saying, God, I don't really, I don't really believe like you initiated this. This was initiated by someone else. So if I go into this, even though it makes sense right now, and I struggle and things are not working out, I know I'm going to be frustrated. I'm going to start blaming you because I'm going to, I'm going to have heaped up more, uh, I'm going to have walked into those that you're not prepared for me to go through and I'll be frustrated. And here again, I'll be back to complaining and murmuring and praying and saying, where is God? Where is God in all this? Why is he not answering my prayers? So I reached a point where I said, you know what? Just take me back to the beginning. I said, Lord, you because I was, okay, I was reading the journey of the Israelites from when God delivered them. And I was just kind of reading through some of the high stakes that God has come through in the past. Not, not in, my, in my life, I've seen it before. But I was just looking at some stories in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament. And I realized that it was almost like at the highest stakes of the problem, God's answers almost seemed to be dhamma and dhamma and dhamma and just foolish. And the first thing that God has really challenged me on, well, there's a lot of things, but like in this last couple of days that I really want to talk about is this. He said, Calvin, I think you think, I know that you don't, you, you haven't really resolved in your heart of heart to believe that my simple ways that you read through in the old covenant can be applied today. What, 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 what does that mean? He's saying, I see you struggling to really believe that I can, I can bring you a breakthrough without complexity, without much sweat equity. I can see that you haven't really gotten to the point where you in your heart of hearts believe that I can bring you breakthrough without you setting me up. That I can bring you into the possession of, of your dream house without you setting me up. I can bring you into a beautiful marriage with a beautiful someone without you setting me up. I can bring you, I can raise you to the top of your career ladder without you setting me up. What does this mean? So a lot of people who are working jobs, will, will, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of people, again, they'll they'll run the math. They'll say, okay, I have an undergrad. 
this is the kind of industry that I'm going in. If I get my master's, then it's going to increase my chances of being promoted to this rank, to this level. If I do this, it increases my chances. If I message her this many times, it increases my chances. If I take her on this many dates, it increases my chances. If I do this, it increases my chances. If I get my PhD, it increases my chances. So let us go, first of all, to, and, 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 and so God was challenging me and saying, son, you're not quite at the place where you really believe that, okay, God, like God, God can use the simplest thing to solve my most complicated problem. You know, the math will say you need to save up for six months, eight months with a job that pays you $120,000 in order to have enough down 20% down payment to buy a house. That's what the math will say from your own reasoning. And so you try to let God work through your reasoning. And for me personally, oh my goodness. Yeah, it's been challenging. It's been challenging. And I know someone else is dealing with it. So I really hope this helps you um, deal with the things that you're dealing with right now. But it's just even overwhelming. Like it's just breaking my heart because I'm, I'm seeing that even as God has already challenged me on it, I feel that as I'm sharing this, he's still challenging me right now. As I'm talking about this with you, as I'm sharing this, I really feel like my heart is really being challenged right now. So in my reasoning, it makes sense for me to get my master's, to get my PhD, because that increases my chances. Do you see what I'm doing? I am still trying to set up God. It is not wrong to get a master's. It's not wrong to get your PhD. It is not wrong to get that certificate, but if if the motive from the beginning of you getting your master's and your phd is based on your reasoning that this will increase my chances in a way that okay if i do this then this will happen that is not god's style of doing things and it's really been challenging for me to accept this because it almost makes you feel like you're powerless. Like, like, but here's the thing. God, the reason why God wants to you, first of all, this is God's modus operandi. We can find God's modus operandi from Fast Corinthians chapter one. And this is it. And he's told me, son, I am not going to change. And I want you to challenge other people that I am not going to change from how I deal with the world, from how I liberate my children, from how I'm going to bring breakthrough in their lives. I am not going to change this style of doing things. It says, 
This is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Actually, verse 25. It says, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. So, if God is looking to use someone, he's not going to go out and find, like, the smartest person in the world. The person with the most degrees, the person with the most PhDs. That's not his style. Especially if that person is walk, is, 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 has acquired those degrees or those certifications or those qualifications in order for them to, to get to that point. If you acquire all those skill sets so that you can get to say, okay, I am the most qualified in this field. I am the most educated. I am the strongest. I am the this, I am the this. Then you say, okay, now God, here I am. Use me. That's not his style. That's not the person he's going to choose. So he's been reminding me that that's not how he's going to do things. That's not his style. It says, for you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh. He's saying, he's not saying that he doesn't really, he, he says he doesn't really go that route. Rarely, if any. He says, not many wise men after the flesh. He says, not many mighty, not many noble are called. He's saying, if it happens, it's going to be very limited. It's not that he won't do it. He might be in a situation where he has to, but most times that's not the path he's going to use. Why? It says, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the best things of the world and the things which are despised has God chosen. Yeah. And the things which are not to bring to nothing things that are. Why does God use this way of doing things? That no flesh should glory in his presence that no flesh should glory in his presence. So when God was challenging me, he was telling me, Calvin, I think you look at the complexity of the world today and you read through some of the solutions that I've applied in the world that was not as complicated as your world today and you don't really believe that... Um, you don't really believe that the answers and my style of bringing breakthrough and delivering countries and everything I've done in the past, you don't really believe that my style of doing things of old applies in your complex world today. And I got to be honest, I did feel that way. Because in this world right now, it feels like you must be, you must know everything that's happening. Right now, in the science world, in the tech world, 
you know, data is king. So everything will say, get every piece of data about this situation that you can, right? It almost feels like there's so much happening that if you do not know at least about everything that's happening, that there's no way you'll be able to function. That if you don't know how to use the latest phone, if you don't know the latest things on, 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 on climate change, if you don't know the latest things on, on, on this business model, if you don't know the latest things, if you don't know the latest on this, if you haven't read so-and-so's most recent book on, on climate change, on agriculture, on medicine, on mental health, if you don't know the latest information, you feel like there's no way you can make it through this world. And what God's been challenging me, he's been telling me that Satan right now is, is, is deceiving the world or is especially his children, Christian believers, that Satan is deceiving them. Satan has put this complexity of the world as a smoke screen. It's a smoke screen. Because Satan wants you to become overwhelmed by the complexity of the world. And, and so that you, 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 you take your eyes or you take your faith off of believing in God's simple ways of solving big problems. And then you also go running after the wisdom of the world such that you don't have enough time to, 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 to really spend time with God to seek his wisdom because Satan knows if you know God's wisdom, you can beat Satan. But Satan knows if you know his wisdom, you cannot beat Satan with Satan's wisdom. So Satan says, okay, the way that I can get them to take their eyes off of God, off of God's simplicity to solve the biggest problems of this world, of their lives, is let me put this smoke screen called complexity, and then you get overwhelmed. And all of a sudden you think that, oh my goodness, I need to take a course in this. I need to take a certificate in this. I need to get a master's in this. I need to get a PhD in this. Um, I need to work out this many times. I need to eat this. I need to eat that. So that we completely ignore God's simplest ways of delivering us. Because when we do things according to the world, inevitably we have to eat by the sweat of our bro. If you really broke down the 24 hours you have in a day and you factor in how many times uh, the, 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 the mental health experts will tell you, I mean, the meditation experts will tell you, okay, you need to meditate these times. The sleep therapist will come and say, you need to sleep this amount of times. The physical, the physiotherapist, the, the, the fitness trainers will tell you, you need to work out this many times for this, uh, these many days for this amount of time. The dietitians will come and say, you need to eat this. Uh, the intellectuals will come and say, you need to read this book. You need to read this book. You need to get this qualification. You need to get that qualification. Uh, my goodness, before you know it, you, even 24 hours is not enough. Then the psychologist will come and say, or the family therapist will come and say, or the relationship therapist will come and say, you need to spend this much time with your wife. Then the family therapist will say, you need to spend this much, this much time, you and your wife with your kids. You need to do this. You need to do it. Before you know it, you were sweating and life has become a grind. And yet Jesus said, I am come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. But also Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. He says, come to me, all you who are weary 
and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So God wants us, his children, to walk not in duress. He doesn't want us to be stressed out. He doesn't want us to be overwhelmed by thinking everything's going to come the hard way. Because Satan will wear you down. Satan will wear you down. As you try to grind and hustle and bustle and, and, and read this many books and, and work out this many times and do this and do that and, and, and all these things, before you know it, you are 70 years old and you have missed most of life because you are always thinking that complicated pro or complex problems or big problems need complicated answers. Big problems need big solutions that they that, that simple things cannot solve complicated problems. So God was challenging me and saying, I really want you to believe that even in this world of 2022, I still have simple answers to move you through the complexity of this world and get you to the place that I have called you to be, get you to your destiny. So let us look at some examples. And, and this, these are some of the scenarios he was bringing up to me. And he said, okay, let's look at Moses. Moses is called in by God to go deliver the nation of Israel, the Israelites, from Egypt. They've been in slavery for over 400 years. And as I was reading this, God, this is where God was also challenging me, saying, if if it was someone else, if it was a president, if it was the United Nations, and they wanted to deliver Ukraine out of the hands of Russia, what would they do? What would their game plan be? You know, they would probably get into their war room and think of the most complicated problem, complicated solution. But there's, there's probably an action that all the countries that are helping Ukraine, fighting with Ukraine against Russia, there's a simple solution that if they really asked God for that answer, he would give them one chess move that would unlock Putin. But right now, all, all the experts on, on war strategies, on sanctions or this, they come into these rooms and they try to, to think of the most complicated solutions of how to defeat him. And they have failed. And this is, what he's, this is what he was challenging me and telling me and saying, look at how I delivered a nation of 3 million people out of slavery and bondage. How many days did it take him? What was his weapons? He used two guys, one who couldn't even speak, Moses, and his cousin, uh, I believe Aaron was his relative, Two of them. And how many weapons? How many tanks? You see, God knows where if you press Putin here, he'll have to take his hands off. He'll have to call his dogs off. 
But you see, we're, we're, we're trying to apply again the complexity to solve this big problem because we think there's no way this complicated pro problem can be solved with simple answers. And so that's what God is challenging me saying in my own life, somehow I'm still thinking of the complex ways to solve certain things in my life. And he's saying, no, 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 no. That is a setup by Satan. That's a smoke screen. How did God deliver a nation of Israel, 3 million people out of the hand of Egypt? He sent two guys. He did not even tell them, go learn some martial arts, go learn some battle tactics. All he did, he sent them with a rod, with a stick. And God was telling me, saying, Calvin, look at how easily I delivered the nation of Israel. And here you are in your own life, you're trying to think of these complex solutions to some of the things you're going through. Can you not just trust that even though this world is complicated, that I still have easy ways to deliver you through the desert, through the storms of life? He, all he did with Moses, he sent him with a stick, with a rod. And how many instructions did God give Moses? So this was how God was, like, was telling me, son, if the answer in your mind cannot be applied by a child, it's not from God. It's too complicated. It's not from me. Because once again, God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. He uses the weak things to confound the mighty, the strong. That is how God moves. So he sends Moses, and the only weapon he gives him is a piece of stick. And what does he tell him to do with that stick? He does not even tell him, go learn how to use nunchucks. You know, learn how to martial arts, learn how to use it, learn how to, you know, you know how to stick and jab, how to move, how to weave, you know, bob and weave. No, 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 no. He says, just go to Pharaoh. He's going to ask you for a miracle. Drop the rod down on the floor. Now, once you do that, just leave the rest up to me. The rod turns into a snake. Pharaoh calls his troops. They also do the same thing. They drop their rods down on, this, on, on, on the ground. They become snakes. But guess what? God's power shows up because Aaron's rod starts to swallow up all the other snakes. And God doesn't change his weapon. Every time uh, there's about 13 plagues that he, he, he puts on, on, on Pharaoh and Egypt, and God was showing me that in every one of those, his battle strategy was the same. All he told Moses, every time he'll come back from Pharaoh, he'll say, okay, tomorrow when you go there, Stretch forth thy rod over the water. Stretch forth thy rod over the dust. Throw the dust in the air. Simple instructions. Simple instructions that's, that no person would think. If, 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 if you had two groups of people trying to liberate and you, and you put two groups of people in two different rooms and you tell them, go come up with battle strategies. And one group comes out with a set of instructions says, we're going to use a stick. And all we're going to do is stretch it over this, 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 and that. The other room would laugh at you. The other group of uh, 
stra of, of strategists would laugh at you, would say, this is foolish. You know, they'll probably come up with tankers, bazookas, uh, you know, gathered, you know, SEALs, Air Force, just kind of like everything they can throw against the wall. And they say, okay, this is the strategies we're going to use. But guess what? We're seeing that with Russia right now. How long has this war been going on? And no matter how many of these countries are coming together, Russia hasn't called off the dogs. And we already have more than 10 countries that are putting their heads together, but they have failed to defeat this enemy. It's also not like Russia's winning the war, but what I'm saying is that Putin hasn't called off his dogs. So that is a perfect scenario of where the of where even in a complex world, God's solution might seem dumb and foolish to apply. And yet we're seeing the complex solutions have failed to, to stop Putin. There's an answer, there's a button that God knows, okay, if you just press this button here, in one hour, in 30 minutes, Putin will call off all the dogs. But the problem is, no one is ready to go that route because Satan uses the smoke screen of complexity. And then God also showed me, said, when I delivered the, world, the, the city of Jericho into the hands of Joshua, what were the instructions that I gave them? I gave them one set of instructions. One simple set of instruction. I did not tell them, once you go out there, climb the wall, throw up these, throw up that. No, no. He said, for the first six days, walk around the wall once. Be quiet. And then on the seventh day, walk around the wall seven times and let the trumpet be blown. So, again, that was a very simple, damn solution. But... It was easy to apply. It was easy to apply. And so that's what God has been challenging me on and saying, stop thinking that it's complex solutions. Stop trying to do math all the time. Stop trying to pave the way for me. Stop trying to beat a path for me. Stop trying to introduce me to the person you want me to open the door for you. Stop being, just, just step back. Let me handle this. Because even in James chapter 4, James chapter 3, it talks about the wisdom of God. It, it really shows you that, okay, if this wisdom is coming from God, this is how it's going to look like. It says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. You can take this checklist, you can take this verse, James chapter 3, verse 17, and turn it into a checklist. And then you send it to the United Nations, to the G7 or the G20. And so whatever, whatever strategy you're trying to come up with to stop the war between Russia and Ukraine, this is the only checklist you need. And I'm telling you, 
if they do follow that checklist, that war would be over. But would they be willing to? They'll look at you and say, this is foolish. Because here it says the wisdom that is from above, meaning that if we ask God for a strategy on how do we stop the war between Russia and Ukraine, the set of instructions that we need to apply, this is the checklist. Is it pure? Is it peaceable? Is it gentle? Is it easy to be entreated? Is it full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy? That alone can be a filter. And so the Lord is also telling me, because he's saying, I know you want to get out of this situation, but you're still trying to apply complicated solutions to it. You want me to use complexity. I am not going to flow with your complexity. That's not how I'm going to do this. That's not how I'm going to do this. And so it's been a, a week for me or uh, just to be like, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. If I'm, if I'm going to get out of this situation, I'm really going to have to drop all complex solutions that I'm trying to think about. I really have to take my hands off and not try to set up the solution for you and not try to be to kickstart the problem solution for you. I get it, Lord. I get it. You're not going to change how you operate. You are still going to use the foolish things of the world, the weak things of the world to confound the wise, to confound the, 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 the mighty, the strong. And he, he kept on using more answers. He kept on showing me more ways in which he was in which he has done this in the past. He did it with David against Goliath. In fact, before David went out to battle, King Saul tried to give David his armor and said, there's no way you can go on that battlefield without your armor on. He said, you'll be slaughtered. David tried it and it was so heavy, it would not fit him and said, listen, I, I don't need this. He said, I smote a bear, I smote, I killed a bear, I killed a lion and delivered the lambs, the sheep out of their mouths with my hands and with a stick and said, just leave it. The boy took up his slingshot. He picked up five smooth, sto five smooth stones and that was his battle strategy. It was foolish. It was foolish. But guess what? It's what delivered them. For 40 days, all the, the, the war, the, 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 the senior veterans that Israel had were running away from Goliath. They could not defeat him. It was the foolish strategy of the Lord that delivered Israel. And we all like to read and enjoy this story of David versus Goliath. And we use it. But it takes a position of humility. And that's what the Lord has been challenging me and said, son, I want you to be, you still don't get it. And, and, and it's been crashing for me because it's, again, it's a, it's a point of, of being vulnerable and saying, okay. He's saying, son, you're still trying to make a way for me so that I can make a way for you. You're still trying to open the door for me so that I can open the door for you. That's not how I work. That is not how I work. That, that's just not my approach. I'm sorry. 
And so the sooner you take your hands off of, 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 of finding your wife, of, of, of moving into your house, of, of raising yourself, of, of doing things so that you can be promoted, it, it, the sooner you take your hands off, the faster God's delivery can move. Because for as long as we still are the ones who have opened the door for him, he's not going to go through the door. God will not go through a door that you're the one who has opened for him. God will not walk, walk on a path that you're the one who has beaten the path for him. God will not move forward on your setup. No, it's the, way, it's the other way around. Because that's when he gets the glory. If God moves on your setup, if God moves through your door that you've opened for him, there's no way then he has to share the glory with you. He has to say, oh, Calvin opened the door for me. And then I moved through and, and I, I delivered him. He did this with Gideon. Gideon was going to battle and Israel was being defeated. And he told Gideon, I will deliver you. I will use you to defeat the Moabites, the Midianites, even as one man. What does Gideon do? Gideon comes up with a battle strategy of 32,000 people to go to war with. And God said, this is too many people for me to use. Because if I let you use 32,000 people, you are going to think that it's your own strength that delivered you. What does God do? God slashes down Gideon's battle strategy from 32,000 people to 300. To 300. But that's what delivered Israel. So then he reminded me, say, that's why I say in Isaiah 55, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. But don't forget that my thoughts and ways are foolishness. Even to you, Calvin, they might appear foolishness, but you need to get with my program. You need to get with my schedule. So I also want to challenge you and remind you that God isn't overmatched by, by the current complexity of this world. God isn't overmatched by science and technology and the wisdom that is out, the knowledge that is out there. God knows the end from the beginning. He's the same yesterday, today, now, and forever. But he can still use the simple and foolish answers, solutions, to deliver us out of big problems. That, that is how God operates. He also reminded me, he said, son, I took, he said, Joseph was 13, was 17 years old when he sold into slavery. And he was about 30 years old when he became the second in command uh, and a pharaoh of the whole nation of, of Egypt. So God was telling me, he was saying, son, God was telling me, he, he used this story to challenge me. He said, okay, I took a guy. If Joseph had really studied anything, if no matter how much schooling he had done, we don't have a record that he did any more schooling after he was sold into slavery. So all the schooling, all the, all everything that he knew, uh, as far as 
economy and all of this stuff was until he was 17 years old. Then he sold into slavery and he works in his master's house and then he rises to the top and then he's betrayed. He's sent to prison because his master's wife, Potiphar's wife, tries to sleep with him. Joseph refuses. He runs away. She frames him, says he tried to rape her, sleep with her. He's sent into prison. He's in prison for three years. Then he comes out. That's when uh, he interprets other people's dreams in prison. And those people happen to work for Pharaoh. And Pharaoh starts to have some dreams. And then Joseph is later on called to interpret those dreams. And then Pharaoh asks him for an answer to those dreams. And Joseph gives it to him. And Pharaoh says, is there, he says, he basically says, is there one who is as wise as this man? He becomes the second in command. He comes up with a strategy that delivers Egypt out of the next uh, period of famine where every country around them during famine runs out of food and everybody has to depend on Egypt as their lifeblood. And God was telling me, how much education between when Joseph was 17 to when he became the second in command? How much education did Joseph go and get? But there came a time where Pharaoh needed answers and all the scholars, all the PhD holders around him could not deliver Egypt. And God uses a guy who didn't have a PhD, who didn't have a master's, to come up with the best answer to the problem. And it is what worked. And it was this simple answer that Pharaoh turned around and said, listen, you're the one who's brought this advice. Why don't you go ahead and put it into place? And so he's just been challenging me and he's saying, I think Calvin, you, you're forgetting that that you, you sometimes you, you, you let your mind wander into thinking that you're going to need 500 LinkedIn connections. You're going to need to send out 500 emails. You're going to need to apply for 400 jobs. You're going to need to do this and this and this in order for you to get your breakthrough. You don't think that you can, that I can use 10 job applications to deliver you. You don't think that I can use, I can bring your house to you move you into your dream house at your current job. You don't really think that I can take your current number of qualifications, your set of qualifications that you currently have and make you the CEO of your company. You don't really think I can do it because the world is telling you, you need to acquire this more skill set, acquire this, 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 and that. But it's saying that's not how I do things. So this has been a challenge for me. And there's so many things that God has been checking me on. And I really feel that there's someone out there, you're in the same situation, you're looking for answers, and it seems that your answers might get you there. They might not. They're stressful. They're causing you sleepless nights. They're bringing anxiety, worry, depression, fear. So if, if you are feeling that way, then... One thing that I'm that at least you should be happy about is based on what we've discussed in this episode, I think you you now know that that's not what God is going to use. So, okay, 
if you just want to get these things out of your flesh, you know, like sometimes when you have so many things on a to-do list, but you know that you, if you, you need to find out the most important thing, you write down 10 items that you, you feel like, okay, I got to do this today. Do Write down all those things. You just get them out of your system. And then you sit back and say, what's the most important thing out of these 10 things that if I do this one thing, my day is done. And the moment you do that thing, that's the only thing you need to do today type thing. So it's okay to sit down and brainstorm and think about solutions and this and that. But once you do that, then you first step out and say, okay, in this solution, I am opening the door for God. In this solution, I am setting up God. In this solution, I am paving the way for God. This solution is going to cause me stress. Once you now brainstorm and put all your solutions on a piece of paper, you step out, you now analyze them from God's point of view, and then you'll be like, okay, none of those is the, is the action that I need to take because God is definitely not going to use that. So that is going to be a waste of time. It's not going to completely deliver me. And God did this with Abraham. God did this with Abraham. God did this with Isaac. Isaac was in a land that was rigged with famine. And everybody was running out of that land. And God told him, no, 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 no. You stay here. This is where I will deliver you. This is where you will make profit. That would be like every business is running out of a certain market. And you also want to close shop and God says, no, don't close your business just because the economists say this, this and that. You stay here because something is going to happen that will cause your business to make more profit than ever before. This is how God wants to deliver us. This is how God wants to move in our lives using the simple answers because complexity is going to cause us stress. Even if it's like God, if God was to, to launch out a rocket to the moon, he would, he would do it in the most simple way. Even a complicated solution, God will do it step by step in easy answers. Think about it. God used a guy who, had never, who never knew anything about engineering, Noah, to build an ark that even today still baffles the, the you know, architectures and engineers who are building these complex ships on how, how is it possible that this guy did this, 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 and that? And this ark was able to hold all the animals that it needed during the flood. It, it's still an engineering feat to be reckoned with. But God used the guy who had never gone to engineering school. And so for me, it's really been a week of eye-opening, mind-opening, heart opening to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to take my hands off. I think I'm really still with my old mindset that because of the magnitude of this problem, that the solution has to be as complicated, that the math has to check out, but that's not God's MO. Why? God does not want to share his glory with anyone. And that's why the scripture also says, for when we are weak, we are strong. Because 
it's in that moment when you feel weak that God says, okay, now I'm going to top you up with my strength. It is in that moment where you feel like you have a very foolish answer that God says, yep, that's okay. That's what, that's all I need from you because I'm going to perform a miracle. I'm going to let God's, God's power manifest in this. It, it, it was, this is his style. And that's why we see Paul says, he, he gets to a point where he says, man, if God, if this is how God moves, if this is, if this is God's MO, the apostle Paul gets to a point where he says, listen, I'm, I'm tired of being in my own strength. He, he, he comes to himself. This is in 2 Corinthians. This is very powerful. I'll just quickly read it. Paul comes to a place where he says, he, he says, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. This is 2 Corinthians 12, chapter 9. God is saying, my strength is made perfect in weakness. My wisdom is made perfect in your foolishness. Then Paul, he says, okay, if this is the way this thing works, Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. It's right in that moment when you feel like you've run out of answers. I do not know what to do. You take your hands off and you say, I've reached the end of my rope. I, I, I don't know how to bring this idea to be. I don't know how to deal with this situation in that moment of weakness where you've basically gotten to a point where saying, I've tried to open doors and doors won't open. I've tried to do this and you just won't unlock this situation. Right then, then you come to the end of yourself and you actually start to glory in that place of necessity, of need, of foolishness, of weakness, because then the power of God pours out upon you and you are delivered. He says, for him to increase, we must decrease. For God's wisdom in our lives to increase, the wisdom of ourselves has to decrease. For God's strength in our lives to increase, our own strength has to decrease. It's been a challenge for me. And it's hard. It's been a challenge for me to reset my mind to understand that, okay, if there are things that I need to get out of ASAP, 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 as soon as possible, meaning like right now, I need to take my hands off because the more I put my hands on this situation, the more I try to open doors for God so that he can move in and make, the more I try to connect myself so that God can connect me. No, 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 no. It's not going to work. God is just going to stay standing. He's not, he's not going to move into the situation. So I just want to encourage you. It's something that I've had to tell myself, listen, Calvin, you need out of this situation and you need out right now. But the best thing for you to do is take your hands off. 
Don't be trying to take step action steps where you're opening the doors for God. No, that's not how I'm going to do it. That's not how God has done it before. And he's not about to change his ways for me. So the sooner you and I get on board with God's modis operandi, the way that God does things, the way God does business, the sooner we are going to be delivered. This was Unplugged. I hope this episode really blessed your heart. It has blessed me. I really hope this episode blessed your heart as much as it has also blessed me. Your host for today was Calvin Kabanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.